Welcome to Interviews. My name is Laurent Autain. I'm a business coach on a quest to crack the entrepreneurship code. So I thought, why not talk to entrepreneurs and ask them the right questions? I make sure to alternate between a male and a female guest every week. I hope their answers will inspire you. This podcast is available on all your favorite platforms. If you enjoy it, there are three ways you can help me make it bigger. One, subscribe. Two, share your favorite episode on social media. Three, buy me a pizza. Blog on my website, laurentnotin.com slash podcast and click on the icon, buy me a pizza. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a marketing and communication agency managed by a highly qualified team and operating remotely since 2005. Social Prize specializes in digital technologies and communications, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth hacking, and much more. Find out more about them on their website www.socialprize.com. P-R-I-S-E dot M-E. Hello, thank you for listening. Today we are going to Russia. I am with Olga Zinovieva, the founder and CEO of Elementare, a milk kit and ready-to-eat producer on a mission to deliver personalized food solutions that are both healthy and convenient for active women and their families in big cities Hello, Olga. Thank you very much for joining me today. Hello, Laurent. Thank you for inviting, and I'm happy to share my experience. Excellent. Well, then, let's start. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, I think my journey has been uh, very standard for pretty much uh, most part of my life because uh, I was born back in USSR in a non-existing country by now. <laughs> yeah. I had a very standard uh, education. Uh, I went to high school, or, or I got some diplomas, and then I went to uh, one of the um, top universities in Russia. And pretty much I was uh, sort of the uh, achiever who was uh, usually on, on top of the class, uh, but uh, I was usually following pretty standard passes. So I went to work for consulting after, after, after I graduated from university. And uh, I, I was actually pretty much happy with uh, McKinsey uh, where I worked uh, and then I went to business school. And this is, I think, where the journey really uh, started or maybe it changed a lot because uh, I took some time to think about uh, what I actually value and what, what are the things that I enjoy. And I realized that I really need to change a lot in my life. So I uh, completely switched uh, career and I, I found some money back uh, in uh, Harvard Business School, raised it from, uh, from uh, alumni and came back to Russia to start my own business. So this is, I think, where the journey really, uh, really took a very interesting shape. Mm. And ever since I've been uh, on, a, yes, exactly, on a mission to, 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 to create a company which will feed people in a better way, in a, in a better and more efficient and more healthy way. And uh, hopefully we've made some progress here. <laughs> okay, but tell me what, what happened? How did you how did you come up with the idea and when did you know that you, you would become an entrepreneur? 
honestly, before going to business school, I never even thought about becoming an entrepreneur because in Russia, unlike I think in many other countries, uh, entrepreneurship is sort of uh, a bit of a stigmatized uh, type of occupation because, for example, if when I told my grandpa that I would... Uh, become an entrepreneur he was like oh my god why like what's wrong with you you should go get a decent job it's not like for especially with your kind of education like why would you ever do this mm. so in russia entrepreneurship is not a path uh, which a lot of people would like uh, to follow and i never thought about doing that before going to hbs and it was actually a very uh, uh, interesting exercise which I did in HBS. Uh, uh, one of my professor, actually entrepreneurship professor, told me about about that. The exercise actually consisted of just uh, uh, coming up with an idea that it's uh, the last second of your life and you are about to die and your whole life, which you have lived uh, uh, to, I don't know, 60, 70, 80, or whatever, how many years you want to live, is going by you and uh, you are sort of evaluating how much you you enjoyed it and how much you loved it and how much you are proud of it and what i realized is that the trajectory that i've been on uh was sort of nice but not the one i would really be either proud of or not the one i would be really enjoying sort of looking at when uh, that second when i'm about to die is gonna come mm. This was a moment when I realized that I would like to change uh, things, uh, how things are going and would like to change to switch the trajectory. And I just started evaluating different occupations, which would bring me more enjoyment. And I came to realize that doing my own business is probably the only thing which uh, really excites me. And uh, this is where I started looking for an idea. Uh, unfortunately, that was not a very structured process. So basically, <laughs> I think now, as a, I envision myself as a serial entrepreneur, I would probably do it differently, more analytically mm. for sure. But back then, I was like, okay, if I decide I do entrepreneurship, then I need an idea. Like, okay, what do I have? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Somewhere close to me. Uh, what can I do? And uh, the idea came from my basic uh, my personal experience so as a as a person who most of my life I've never been in the kitchen and when I faced uh, the necessity to cook I realized it's uh, so much pain mm. uh, it's so much time and actually the statistics say that now even now a woman in Russia spends on average 10 plus hours a week cooking for the family so it's it's a lot of time it's like uh, almost a part-time job uh and obviously i was like okay <laughs> probably i'm not ready to do this uh but maybe uh maybe if we think about it from a business perspective maybe it's uh, an opportunity because probably i'm not the only one who is not uh, ready to stand for a couple of hours cooking uh, dinner every every, mm. every night so and then uh, this is, was uh, the, the, the moment when I was like, okay, maybe we can optimize it and maybe we can even deliver a better result because also statistics say that families on average cook uh, around 10 dishes, which they just rotate. And uh, a lot of dietitians uh, say that it's, it's much more healthy to eat a very diversified diet and you need like 100 plus ingredients in it. 
So uh, obviously, if somebody can come up with all those recipes and deliver pre-cooked ingredients to your doorstep, it's, uh, it simplifies it a lot. So mm. this is where elementary came from. Right. So you started from your own experience. Mm -hmm. You thought, oh, there must, there must be an issue here. But then how, what, what about the product fit? You know, how do you go from creating this product, quality product for yourself, Mm -hmm. and then make it available to people? Well, I think this is, uh, unfortunately, I miss a lot of entrepreneurship classes and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because uh, somehow only to the end of the two years which I spent there, I came to realize that I really don't want to go back to consulting. Mm. Uh, so probably I would tell you like a more... Um, professional professional um, uh, sort of lecture on it but uh, it didn't work so I will tell you just from how it worked for me uh, so for me it has it was a pretty hectic uh, journey of finding a product market fit it took actually a lot of pivots uh, for us to understand what really uh what really sells and mm. where we really have a sizable market niche because we started with a product which was uh, very much a copycat of what existed back then in the us uh, a company named blue apron uh, but we quickly realized that it's uh, too expensive for the russian market it's also it still takes a lot of time cooking complicated recipes And uh, uh, people in Russia need more variety. They are not uh, okay with uh, preset menus. They need more choice. Mm. And uh, what what even what's even worse? Uh, a lot of people told us that they need personalized menu, meaning they don't eat some whatever buckwheat or carrots or something, and they would like us to adapt the menu. So basically, we uh, were were we rolled out a product which. Uh, Uh, then we got feedback on and then we understand uh, what's wrong uh, with the product and then we iterated and I think we did it for a lot of times for many times and uh, finally we arrived at a place where we felt that okay this is something that we can scale and this is uh, where we thought that okay the product market fit is uh, found now we need to spend our efforts and money on uh, scaling this Uh, on marketing this uh, and on growing. Right, so you started with market research, basically. No, actually, no. I think probably if I did, I would. it would be same. With small experiments. So right. how we did first, we just uh, compiled the list of emails. Messengers were not really... Uh, there yet in back in 2014 so we uh, we collected a bunch of emails and we just sent out uh, emails saying like hey guys we have this uh, new product um would you like to try and and basically because uh, the emails were sort of friends of friends of friends so mm. they, they kind of trusted us that we will not uh, kill them or poison them <laughs> Which was also like, uh, like now I don't know why they did it, but somehow they trusted us. Uh, we came up with this product, we delivered, and then we listened to them and asked them, okay, what's uh, what was good about it and what was bad about it. 
Right. Well, but that's market research. Let's call it let's call it market research, which okay. is a very good which is a very good place to start. I my background is in market research. I worked there 14 years in market research. But it is this is very important because a lot of entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, do not necessarily uh, do that. You know, they just they just launch and then they wonder why it's not working. Well, it's because you need to do your research <laughs> like you did. How how many times did you have to pivot? I think we have uh, we had uh, I would say about three or five three to five uh, like major pivots mm. and then the others were not really pivots they were just uh, some uh, I would say improvements right. maybe you know I think even even more more like three so I think first we had a big pivot when we realize that our product is too expensive and too uh too standard and and cooking takes too long so we thought okay maybe it just doesn't work so we need to like come up with something new and it was i think not very smart move but we changed the product completely so we came up with a uh, practically diet product which was Mm. which was meant for people who want to lose weight and so we launched like a completely new product. Actually, it worked because it had good unit economics. And even because we, we by, by that point, we already spent all our money. Yeah. And we were about to go bankrupt. And so we launched this product, which actually saved us because we became break-even for some period of time. Right. Um, but then we realized that this product has a, a limited marketing potential as we considered it and mm. as the product was by that point and then we decided to pivot back <laughs> to, okay. not to milk it but with a, a more um, I would say more uh, product oriented approach meaning that we took into consideration and we adapted the product making it more personalized making it uh, shorter in cooking making it more affordable and uh this is where we when we launch it we understand that okay now it's time to scale right and so how long did it take you before you came to the right product actually it took us a long time (laughs) yeah it took us much longer than uh, we would uh, we would like it uh i think it took us practically two years for sure yeah so how do you how did you keep motivated because you know you pivot four or five times two years i mean you need to make a living <laughs> out of that yes. where did you find the strength um you know i think uh, i like the idea that uh, the success is something is just a path from one failure to another mm. so i was sort of prepared uh, to naturally prepared because i think my one of my core uh qualities is uh, just persistence so if i decide that i want to achieve it then i can do many 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 rounds and it's uh, it's okay for me to say that okay this didn't work what we have to do is just try one more time and practically speaking you can repeat this phrase pretty much as many times as you need can be a thousand or even more so i think it was about persistence from my personal side Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it also was about uh, um, uh, my personal situation because at that point uh, 
I didn't I didn't need to support the family of I don't know many people so I didn't have uh, children uh, children whom I needed to feed I actually but I gave birth to two of them uh, shortly after we sort of understood that uh, it's about probably the right product so mm. uh, we did go through very uh, hard times in terms of uh, uh, very low income for the family and just having problems meeting even basic needs uh, for some period of time i stayed at my friend's house and so there were a lot of things which were uh, really not nice so it's uh, comparing it with the professional services career which i was used to before with like fancy uh restaurants and fancy hotels and etc which uh, people usually use in uh, consulting or private equity of course it was a, a big uh, difference but as i as a child i come from uh, a very like not uh, not wealthy family so it was sort of okay for me i was okay uh doing it so fast forward seven years later uh when the situation is is completely different because if I am correct, you raised five million euros last year, right? Uh, dollars. 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 Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did our round day uh, last year with a group of international investors and with a strategic investor mm. uh, from FMCG. It's a French company, Bonduil, a producer okay. of uh, vegetables. And uh, with a lot of uh, financial institutions um, from basically sovereign funds of uh, Russia and some other some other countries. Nice. So I'm not very familiar with uh, with Russia. So tell me, how do you how do you fundraise uh, in such a market like Russia? And but maybe you should start with you know how, what is, but what are the specificities of the Russian market? Mm-hmm. So the Russian market. Uh, is um, very different from the developed uh, markets uh, for venture company because uh, first of all ven- uh, the money is very expensive so the, the, there are not very many investors who are prepared to invest in venture companies mm. and uh, the venture money is super expensive uh, because of that uh, and also uh, just because uh, overall the value of money is much more expensive here in uh, in Russia. Uh, we also don't have many players in the venture market, so there are not many funds who can actually provide this money. So it's a very small market and you don't really have many chances. Uh, so you have very, very few shots uh, where you can actually get funded. Uh, this, this is two. Uh, then uh, we have also this... Uh, I think uh, difference from uh, the US market that the population is pretty sizable, but it's very, um, it's pretty poor if you compare it to developed markets and the needs which people usually can buy uh, are not very like, premium and they're not very open to innovation, not because they don't like it, but just because it's, uh, it costs money, which uh, they calculate very well. So you have to adapt the product to, to make it uh, way more affordable than it could sell in the uh, developed markets. And also, uh, I think the valuations of companies are way, way more 
aggressive meaning lower uh, obviously because uh, the market potential is uh, lower but also because uh, people here are not very used to the concept of venture so they don't really like risk and we don't uh, really think here in a long-term perspective because usually people want to get their uh, returns in very short uh, term horizon mm -hmm. just because they uh, they I would say because just because of the history of the country where there were a lot of revolutions and governments changed, a lot of things changed and uh, uh, people are just prepared that, you know, next year or the year after something can happen. We don't know what now, but we have to uh, invest uh, into projects which can bring return uh, very, very fast. And venture companies are not uh, usually the ones where you can uh, do that and the uh, public market is uh, very undeveloped so we have mm. very, very few ipos so you have in terms of exit as a venture company you are really looking more into the idea of either uh, becoming not a venture company but a dividend making company or into a, a strategic sale to some uh, strategic investor. And of course, very, very few public uh, companies do go public. We had a very uh, successful, actually two successful IPOs uh, recently, Azon, which is uh, sort of the local Amazon, uh, mm. did an IPO very successfully uh, several months ago. And uh, a hard discounter fixed price retailer also did an IPO also very successfully recently, but these are more like uh, a rare uh, occasion rather than a standard uh, procedure. Right. What Where do you want to get to take your business to? What's your big dream? Um, I think we would like our business to feed and to provide better food at a decent cost for a larger and larger audience in Russia, uh, making sure that uh, we have, uh, that these people get, uh, uh, I would say a healthier and more taste alternative, uh, the best alternative for their money in terms of uh, uh, taste, uh, health, and convenience. Mm. So this is where what we are we're sort of go looking at us as a uh, number one cooking solution. So if people want to cook, so this is where they want uh, elementary is uh, their destination. And we're also looking at expansion into uh, some other markets. Um, but this is so far sort of our more of a plan we are evaluating. So the decision hasn't been uh, made, but we think that we can use uh, the low cost advantage of Russia compared to some other uh, countries and do some uh, milk kits, which would sell well in uh, uh, European countries, in Finland maybe. Sure, <laughs> so it's very close. <laughs> so the, the, the 5 million that you were able to raise will help you do that yes yes exactly so this is not a topic that i have uh, uh, discussed a lot about in the previous uh, episodes so tell me how do you successfully raise money mm -hmm. uh, well i think there are actually it's uh, again at least in russia this is pretty complicated uh, process why mm. But I think the lessons which I learned are the following. First of all, I think you need to have uh, 
several alternatives. So you need to have plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, uh, because as you go, um, for example, what happened with us is uh, we, as we were fundraising this uh, big round, it took us way longer time. And this is another lesson that you have to uh, build in a period of like two, three X larger than what uh, uh, your potential investor tells you it will, it's going to take. So like mm -hmm. multiply it by two or three, this is probably what it's really going to take. And so if you are going through this process, so you might uh, just uh, die because uh, the money, you run out of money in the process. So you have to run a smaller processes in parallel to make sure that uh, if it takes you really longer to, to do this round, then you have some uh, smaller alternatives which you can feed the company while uh, you're on this big uh, mission. Uh, then it's what I also found very important is you have to be a very active uh, listener, uh, especially on the deals uh, where you have uh, different uh, interests. And for example, with us on the one deal, we had a financial investor and a strategic investor from industry. So and it's a two very diverse set of interests. And it's not that they just don't like each other, but they just have very different perspectives. And in order to sort of marry them, you should be as a, as a company, as a, as a target, you should be the, uh, the one who is trying to unite everybody because uh, I think it's sort of mostly your interest to combine this uh, deal and to make this deal happen. Uh, and then I would also very closely look at uh, the decision-making structure uh, in uh, uh, for each investor mm. um, because they're really different uh, for different investors. And sometimes uh, you get uh, rejected, but you don't really understand why because it seemed that everything went well. Uh, but that just means that there were some other people whom you didn't take into consideration, whom you didn't take on board. And that's why you have to... I think, at least for us, it worked that you have to be uh, to really carefully draft uh, sort of the map of power, if you may call it this way, of who is uh, in the decision-making process and make sure that you address uh, everybody and just not hope for just luck. Okay, of course, luck happens with somebody, but I think for us, we just know that <laughs> not us. So that's why we, we work. Uh, but I think if you work hard, then you actually do get some luck, but you have to work hard uh, mm. before. Um, what else? Uh, then I think you also have to be very diligent and very careful about your business planning because as these deals usually take a very long time, then people actually see whether you are performing <laughs> at the level that you showed them. Uh, and for us, I think it built a lot of confidence when we came with the business plan and then it took us more than a year to, uh, to make the deal happen. But uh, mm. our investors saw that we are uh, we are doing this business plan that we are uh, delivering, and I think that uh, added a lot of confidence uh, to the deal. And then I think the last thing is creativity because uh, we had a last minute uh, problem where we had one of our investors suddenly not uh, being able to participate due to some regulations, and then we had to be very uh, creative about creating some different structure where we would invite some other investor which, we, which we, whom we had to find very fast like within a week to fill this uh, gap so i think you have to 
uh, always be prepared for some uh, unexpected things happening and to be creative about uh, closing these gaps rather than just walking away. I think that's it. Well, that's not that's not bad. This is really great insights. Thank you for <laughs> sh- for sharing that. What are you the most proud of? Well, that's a hard question because I'm from those type of uh, people who are never proud and who think that they're always uh, not uh, delivering <laughs> as much as they could. Um, but I think I'm uh, I'm actually proud of uh, my own. Uh, personal journey meaning that uh, I am changing as a person and I mm. become I have become way more uh, patient and way more uh, able to listen to others and way more able to negotiate and communicate than I used to be uh, and that actually works both for work and family uh, so I think this is like the, the personal uh changes that i've been through is uh, probably the thing that i'm proud of and if i had the ability to grant you one wish today uh, what would it be i would probably just uh, ask uh, to to be sure that i will be able to multiply the scale of our company by like thousand times (laughs) i I would i would still like to do my you know the job and go through the journey but i would just like to be sure that this is (laughs) gonna happen this is actually (laughs) (laughs) yes so uncertainty is maybe the biggest uh, obstacle or biggest challenge you face what is if you take your the entire your entire experience as an entrepreneur and if you would summarize it in one recommendation that you would give to other entrepreneurs, what would that be? Uh, I think I would actually advise that if you feel like you can uh, do different types of jobs, uh, entrepreneurship or something else, that I would strongly recommend not to go into entrepreneurship. Uh, so- <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why? Uh, because there will be a lot of uh, very low points, mm. uh, which will, uh, which which you will somehow need the, all your like strength and power to get out from. And I think that if you feel like you can do different things, I don't know like how you will find this uh, uh, this will to do to to go through all these low points and why would you even like need it? Uh, so I would recommend that if you can do different stuff, just do different stuff, not entrepreneurship. But if you feel like this is the only thing which will uh, bring you joy and which you will feel really good about, then I would recommend to start doing it now and not wait for any other, any other moment or chance because uh, I still feel like life is very short and uh, if you feel like this is the thing just do it right one of my previous guests uh, s- said something similar he, s- he said if you ask yourself the question am i an entrepreneur chances are that you're not because you shouldn't ask yourself <laughs> the question <laughs> do you agree uh, yeah, yeah i think so <laughs> <laughs> but 
What does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur today? I think it means uh, taking on uh, uh, like hyper responsibility for making things happen. So it's basically mm. going out there and telling your team, your investors, yourself, uh, I know your family, that this thing which is not there yet, but it will come. <laughs> so it's in a way selling the future to everybody. Wow, I like, I like that. Beautiful. My show is called uh, Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code. Hence the question to you, have you cracked the code? I think not yet. Um, well, first of all, I believe that uh, the idea of life is the idea of growth. So it's uh, there is always room. Mm. Uh, I'm sure that... Uh, sort of the past that I've been through, of course, has brought me a lot of knowledge. And like, if I would start now, I would do this probably not like in six years, but maybe in two. <laughs> so, so it's for sure, I cracked some part of it, but uh, not uh, the whole code for sure. Okay, so that's, that raises another interesting point. And before we conclude, you said you would you would do it faster. What, what, what would you do differently? I think I would I would do go differently about the team. I would be way more structured and uh, way more precise about whom I need and how to bring the team together. I think this is actually the main point because if you have the right team, then everything else comes uh, faster. And then I would second big thing. Then I'm very uh, I'm very decisive. This is both good and bad. It's good because uh, I go to some places and to some I don't know, some ideas which others people wouldn't go to. Mm. But mm. the bad thing about it is that I'm I can take different turns, and this sort of turning there and back actually uh, doesn't bring you forward, but it just keeps you at, on one place, but just moving around. And so uh, now I realize that there has been a lot of moving around instead of moving forward. And so I would uh, cut this moving around. This moving around was just because we wanted to explore some ideas and some some interesting stuff. And it all seemed uh, uh, right and interesting. But when I look at it at um, from my current level of uh, understanding, I understand that this wasn't necessary. It didn't give us the results. It didn't bring us forward. It was just like sort of self-entertainment in a way. Well, thank you very much, Olga, for your time today. Thank you, Lauren. I'm happy to talk to you. And thank you all for listening. If you like this podcast, please share your favorite episode on social media so we can inspire as many entrepreneurs as possible. See you next time. Bye-bye.